Hey guys, welcome back. BDC Care here. We're back with our weekly, or almost weekly, because we missed last week, P and Q and C and A and T. This is season six, episode 16. Uh, and b before we start, we, as we ha have started to do now, we're going to run through what all those different letters mean, because this is what started out as basically just a fun joke to us, uh, but it, it, it is actually the title of our video, so we should probably explain it for anybody. And, and remember and learn how what they mean and <laughs> recap it enough so that we get the letters right? That's true. Okay, so P, P is podcast. Uh, this exists in podcast form as well as a video form, and if you check the link in the description, if you're on the video form, you can access this in podcast form on uh, most, if not all, of the major podcasting platforms. And it's funny because P also is for the patrons on Patreon that let us do this mm. because we're giving up revenue by putting up on a podcast as opposed to YouTube, which has ad revenue. That's true. A Q is for questions. Uh, this started as a sort of stock standard Q&A, and mostly we still are answering questions that are asked on the comments of our YouTube videos. So that's also, if you're wondering how to get a question or comment on here, that's what you do. You just leave a comment on any of our videos. Right. Um, a is for answers, because we always have lots of answers. We like to talk. Yeah. I don't know if they're any good, but, you know, you get what you get. <laughs> Uh, C is for comments. We're we're going back one now because but did I skip? I see did, I got the letters did, wrong. You did skip C. That's okay. Uh, yeah, C C is for comments because sometimes it's not a question, but we still want to talk about it anyways. And there's a corresponding uh, T. Do you want to take this one? Yeah, for talking because sometimes we just ramble on. It's you know the question or comment is a start starting off point, but we end up getting r right into the weeds. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I just like to mention things that maybe I learned or that that came up over last week yeah uh and last week what did you learn last week well i i relearned uh, a lot of calculus because i had a calculus exam on the wednesday uh and so i figured that filming a full video on the tuesday might not be the most sort of uh prudent choice not great prioritizing yeah so so i decided that getting a slightly better mark in calculus we mentioned this in our recap was probably worth missing a week uh and i don't know if i don't know if other people would agree with me but so in the time that i would have otherwise been studying uh and otherwise when i would have otherwise been making this video i was studying for calculus and maybe making uh one of the world's smallest cheat sheets uh because we we were allowed to take stuff into the exam and i think it was meant to not be usable for uh for a significant amount of information i think it was meant to be sort of limiting the amount of uh stuff you could put on it so that you had to pick and choose but i sort of but you showed them yeah it was because it's it's four centimeters by eight centimeters and for anybody who doesn't have context that's very very small like it's 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 an index card it's shockingly small when you get down to it index cards are much bigger index cards are um in the scale of inches uh so i i think calling it an index card would be um Maybe generous. A, generous, yeah. But I managed to fit, uh, a, I'm going to call a significant amount of information on it. And I don't know if I'm going to remember to do this or not. But maybe uh, if you poke around in the description or the comments or somewhere, you might be able to find a picture if I if I remember to take a picture and upload this for when the video comes out. Because uh, it really, you, you don't get a sense of it until you see just how small it is. But I, I managed to cram an absolute insane amount of information on it. And I think I actually... Um, had most of the information necessary to write the test written on this four by eight centimeter card uh double-sided mm. so that's that's the thing but you that, did well it was worth it you did well i mean i i hope i did well i i'm hopeful that i did well and i think i did probably pretty well so we'll we'll, we'll have to wait and see when i actually get the marks back mm. i guess well fingers crossed yeah and oh, you know what else we learned this week? Yeah, we learned something else. Uh, what else? Did That's we... probably not widely applicable to anything else, mm -hmm. but we learned how to pronounce Ivalo Koev. Mm -hmm. And it is he pronounced was actually like that. good enough. Yeah, he was actually good enough to make a video just for us specifically to tell us how to pronounce his yeah, name. Yeah, which was which was a it was quite a nice surprise. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, unfortunately, um, we don't have a specific question, but I th this is the T that gives us an excuse to mention it. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. It's a funny kind of social media, right? Where the interaction it, it involves a lot more work than, say, uh, Twitter. That was quite stilted. 
to, to try to get that back and forth. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, uh, no, but it was, it was, it was really cool to receive that. And I was actually like, kind of, uh, like excited (laughs) to, to receive that. I was like, Oh, awesome. Right. We got a video. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of videos, actually, if you're watching the game, so this is one method of, um, getting past the passive for, uh, the Catwoman, mm-hmm. I believe this is Cat- Batman Ninja, is to was to use um, Wonder Woman to do a bunch of specials and then bring her a tank. Unfortunately, her tank still wasn't even good enough and our tank actually got knocked out. Mm. But this is going to be our other method of, uh, oh, and Shazam's got no, taking no damage and his passive is going to, oh, crap, his passive might outlast us. Now, um, <laughs> I think we should get to the, the questions for anybody who's listening in the podcast format, because unfortunately sure. this is not going to be particularly engaging for them. Uh, but our first question of the week comes from uh, Seiji Realm, or S-E-J-I Realm, all one word. And the comment is short and sweet, to the point, uh, with the glitches dead, things slowed down. Yeah, um, and I'm... It, it's a little bit ambiguous. I'm going to assume that things slow down means our channel because, you know, with the glitches, well, maybe it's the game. I mean, th- there's fewer people playing because of that. We, Although, we can sort of extrapolate and read into this question however we want. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, the players that have played and have had the glitches, unless they made a mistake and did not exploit them enough while they were there, mm-hmm. um, should have enough resources, whatever, to feel the pretty good team and enjoy playing the way we do yeah so uh, let's say let's talk about our channel i mean that's definitely a part of it yeah. because we see huge drops in the audience and viewership when there's been a long time between um w- when there's been a long time waiting for significant content mm-hmm. and sometimes that's an update but even with the recent update they introduced a bunch of cards that were really hard to get they were all medals Mm. It's not like you can buy them directly with power credits. Um, and so access to them is a few steps removed from what you need to do. There's no Phantom Zone to get Nth Metal, so it's either buying Nth Metal with cash, which most players, I think, are not doing, or yeah. you got to rank high enough in a season to get them from multiplayer. Mm-hmm. And then you need to save enough to get an Nth Metal pack and then hope that you get lucky. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of stages, and it's quite a slow process. Yeah, so I... I, I think that there's definitely like just in terms of new content coming out the game slowed down but also in terms of getting the content like the the yeah. their sort of solution it seems to putting less work in overall is just putting uh like really sort of artificial feeling like restrictions on the speed that you can get new stuff right right which is um, unfortunate yeah you compare that to when we had new character challenge yeah uh, characters Right, that that's kind of redundant. I mean, you complete the challenge, you win a copy, you unlock the character for power credits, and you could have saved a bunch of power credits from before, so that mm-hmm. as soon as you got them, you can, you know, you get your three copies for getting up to nightmare, and then you just just need another five, pay for another five to get them maxed out. Yeah. So and it, listen, for sure, when there's a new glitch, there's a huge bump in the number of views, but there hasn't been a great glitch for a while now. Mm. Yeah. And I'm curious too, like how much overlap there is between. You know, our recap, which is mostly players in bigger numbers mm-hmm. who want to know what's going on, and there's not a lot of us in it. Yeah. And then our weekly P and Q and C and A and T, which is mostly us and not a lot of, you know, fresh content. Although we have managed to inject uh, an ever-increasing amount of us into into our recap videos, uh, evidently to the consternation of some people, which I think we'll get to <laughs> in a later <laughs> comment. Uh, I think true. I think some people have had quite enough of us, and when they c- click on our recap videos, they're like, "I just want pure information. I'm not yeah. interested in any of this extra uh, discussion of anything else that's not relevant to me and my my wants from this video." <laughs> yeah, and I think it's it would be a mistake for us at least to try to chase that viewer, like that sort of universal viewer, that where everything that we do appeals to everybody. Yeah. I, I just don't think that's possible. And I, I really don't want to put in that much work. I don't want to struggle that much. This is fun. Yeah, yeah. That, this is this is a good... I'm, 
just gonna say right now i know we're a few minutes in if i seem scattered at all uh, or or maybe unfocused it is probably just because i'm still in the middle of exam season so there's yeah hopefully moments, they'll be done soon yeah, yeah hopefully i mean after after this week wednesday i think things are gonna uh chill yeah, out for me a little bit I'm maybe not as rattled, but I'm in the middle of something too. I'm trying to take care of our taxes, like mm. an income tax for the mm. year. Yeah. And uh, the, the good news is I think we're all getting um, uh, tax refunds. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's that's fun. At least it makes it seem like you're doing work for money instead of just work. I know. It, technically, it's already our money anyways, right? Yeah. But it feels, because it was just it overpaying like taxes. It feels better. Money. Yeah. Yeah. It's the human mind. It's not very rational. Mm-hmm. Wow, that'll be useful for my psychology exam next week. <laughs> next week. Yeah. Uh, our next question comes from Aaron I, and they ask, without hacking or root, is there a way to get older gear? It makes online battles near impossible without all the powerful gear, even with maxed characters. Which, besides Survivor, is the main way to get that legendary gear? So when we're talking about, I mean again, a little bit of ambiguity about what older gear means. And right now I'm using air quotes around older. Um, because if we're talking older, but specifically non-gear locker legendary gears, multiplayer is still the best way. Mm-hmm. And the survivor gears, actually, I don't think they're that important. The The most important are League of Assassins knives. Maybe two of the fourth world gears for the revive value. Although in my mind, Necron's scythe is better. Mm-hmm. And um, the Killer Croc companion gear. I mean, th- in this team that we've got right now, I think that's the only... Yeah. It might be the only um, survivor gear that we're using. Huh. That's that's true. Yeah, and I guess to, to the point about uh, using... Like, needing to use higher quality gear, we also have a team that we only used off-the-shelf gears that you could get with the gear locker. Right. Yeah, and it, it listen, and it's was, not that, nearly that was a fully as easy. Team, wasn't it? It was. We have a video with off the shelf where it's characters that you buy directly from the store and gears that you can only get through the gear locker. So the one exception to the non-legendary gears is the Razagul Scimitar. Yeah, because you can get that in the gear locker at a very low percent chance, I think. And I think the question speaks a little bit to the fact that Max promoting mm-hmm. uh, a team without gears, and it's a team that you want to use in multiplayer. It's a mistake, and a lot of people have made that mistake. Mm-hmm. I mean, max remote to get through um, offline play, sure, but make sure it's a team that you you're not interested in playing mm-hmm. online. Gear first, then you max your golds because um, if you've got lower stat teams, you're going to get matchups that are less likely to have good team loadouts, mm-hmm. and you know the the gear is where you actually have an advantage or a disadvantage compared to the other team. Yeah. Um, and that gives you a better chance. I mean, the more times, the better you're at MP in your matchups, the more likely you're to win. And like like we were saying earlier, the legendary gears from multiplayer, I think, are the most important ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Is that is that everything we want to say for that? Um, Just about. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the actual question was, without hacking root, is there a way to get older gear? Now oh, there finally okay. is. Um, but with the exception of Survivor, no. I mean... Realistically, I mean, you could get some of the legendary gears from the paid packs. That's mm-hmm. not a practical way to really do it because they're they're really priced out of. Mm-hmm. Oh, Shazam! I love this. So sorry, the regular Shazam activate is passive in the fight, and he's not getting a chance to really use it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, so uh, yep. you've got the you've got the packs, but they're not really cost effective. Yeah. Yeah. So really, it's just it's just waiting, biding your time, and uh, looking at all the different sort of streams of content. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So our next question, or uh, it, it's a question and some comments, but this is a quite this was a quite good comment. I, I was happy to receive it. We've got a couple of those actually this episode. We've got a lot of positivity to sort of balance out the, the uh, negative comments that we addressed in, in last episode. Uh, and this is a little bit of that. So this one comes from E. Est, and they say, 
I love these videos. Always listen to them. Interesting discussions. I think some people hate on you guys, or at least one of the people that commented, is because as he said in the video, he slash she wanted to find glitches. Uh, they probably have been searching for the last half an hour for a glitch that they want to find that may not work and therefore are getting frustrated. Keep making more videos. I watch these P and Q and C and A and T videos all the time when I have spare time, and pretty much all your content is great. Uh, Notification Squad would have watched yesterday, but I had too much work to do. Question, I only get pop-up ads, commenter has to watch ads? So this is this is a long uh, comment, but I think it's quite a nice one. And I should say, uh, we appreciate receiving stuff like this. Um, in case anybody uh, commenting in response to those people is worried about like our self-esteem or anything when we're receiving or mental health or, or just yeah in, in case they're doing it out of concern for us uh i want to say we always appreciate these but it's also important to note that we don't mind those comments we find them quite entertaining actually um overall and you know they they very yeah. they very rarely veered to sort of constructive territory but on the occasion that they do that's also not a bad thing um so i think it's a general attitude towards this I think if we were more worried about making this a career or we had more invested or our, you know, our identity was tied to having a successful YouTube channel. Yeah, it would it would matter more. So we, we always appreciate receiving comments like this. But if anybody's actually worried, you don't need to worry about us. We have pretty thick skin for stuff like this. And uh, honestly, I, I think really entertaining are when people just get sort of incoherently angry because i can understand vague frustration there's a lot of places that can come from and it doesn't take a lot to make people a little frustrated but uh especially when there's a situation in which somebody is really sort of incoherently angry like really upset using various slurs or just tons of profanity where i'm like i don't know how the content that we made got you from whatever I mood know. you were in before to here but Okay, so you know what the ironic thing is about the whole thing? So we have no control over what ads show up. Yeah. We just have control over whether ads are placed at different times in the video. And so what's interesting to me is those ads that actually interrupt the video and play something else, I believe those are worth more. Yeah. So we get more out of those than the little thing at the bottom. Yeah, but it also depends on how they watch it. Because I think if you click skip ad right away for a lot of those ads, they also aren't worth as much. That's true, I guess. I think but you get almost no money, actually, if they click skip ad. The potential, but they have to watch watch the first five seconds. Yeah, but I think the way that the contracts work, that, that that's the thing, is that we don't know exactly how the contracts work. Right. Uh, what the algorithm does is just try to determine how to make you the most money on average by displaying any given set of ads well, for so, the person. But here, here's the thing. So if those people who are complaining and really have a hate on for us are getting more of those interrupting kind of ads, they're actually potentially worth more to us. As yeah. a viewer, monetarily. Which is unfortunate, although we, we do appreciate viewers like EST here, even if you're only getting um, pop-up ads. I think we, we do appreciate you per, per unit of watch time that you give us yeah. more than the people who are complaining. Um, yeah, for sure. But, but and to it, be fair... It's always difficult, right? Like, these... It's, I, I don't, I'm not a native YouTube watcher mm-hmm. like you are. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's a reasonable amount of ads. Like, mm-hmm. what... I don't watch it enough to get a real feel for, you know, what would really peeve me off. Yeah, I, I, me. I don't know. Honestly, I'm okay with sort of just whatever people do. And there are jokes about people who put a ton of ads in. And I think we definitely veer towards more ads as opposed to less ads. But the only feedback we get are from people who are really sort of uh, <laughs> upset in a way that we're, we're not likely to listen to because if you're if if you're if you're that angry at that number of ads i think it is unlikely that uh your your anger is proportional or justified and we can sort of just you know business as usual i think is fair to maintain Mm -hmm. in in those cases anyways and if people who who you know genuinely like to said hey this is cool uh the number of ads is a little frustrating i think we actually would be a lot more liable to sort of uh reduce the number of ads if we wanted because at, at that point it's not really worth it but we haven't actually gotten any of those comments from anybody who seems right. to actually be a fan um that and those comments that what you're saying really is that it's it's not necessarily what you say but how you say it that matters yeah, as a life that's lesson true. that's true yeah. and i think what's interesting is that for commenters like people like soul reaper anyways who keep coming back and are obviously watching the video and commenting it's like that's all engagement too right i mean a comment is more a comment is more engagement than a view is so at the end of the day you're really com- yeah it is? it is a comment okay. a comment is way more engagement from a view because think about how many people you have that view your videos that never leave a comment 
Yeah, I guess so. Comments, likes, and views are all different like levels of engagement. They're all considered a different way, and you don't know. I don't think we know exactly how they're considered in relation to each other because that's just not how the algorithm works. It doesn't give you sort of uh, usable like data for what you should be doing and what's more important. But a comment is definitely engagement. So if he's watching and commenting, that's way better than somebody just watching, and that's probably better than a couple people just watching and not commenting. So at the end of the day, I mean, it's not bad for us. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So there we go. Thank you for the comment. Our next one comes from AwesomeGamer241. And they say, Hello there. Just wanted to inform you that I finally managed to finish reading Replay by Ken Grimwood, which you recommended six months ago. It's probably one of the best books I've ever read, and I want to thank you for recommending it to me. Any other books that you would recommend that are similar to it? Thank you. I love that comment. Yeah, that's a really good comment, because I think that's, that's like... Uh, that's really sort of validating for some of the stuff that we do because we we recommend stuff that we like a lot and it's just sort of you know random shouts in the void and we have no clue if anybody is going to actually read it or not and we know generally that there are some people you know like awesome gamer 241 who uh may go out and check out some of the stuff we recommend but it's really cool to have somebody check in uh it's like a mini book club almost right so a little bit of history then for the people who maybe haven't been watching us for so long um Back when we had the channel that was just unboxing, that was the original BDCKR channel, not mm-hmm. BDCKR Gaming. Mm-hmm. And you remember, we didn't have any ads, we had no income from it, but we were getting actually a significant number of views, I think, because back then, um, NerdBlock was based very close to where we are, so we yeah. would be among the first wave of people getting their boxes in the mail. So because our our opening videos were so low production mm-hmm. we could have them up like this mm-hmm. you know within an hour or two after we filmed it yeah and so and so we do, wanted to leverage yeah, it yeah at the at the end of every episode the thing that we did is that we would recommend stuff that we thought was cool so we would have our camera on our tripod and then i would slide it off the tripod at the end of the video we'd go to shaky cam where i would handhold it and the quality would significantly decrease i'm sure for the watching audience but um <laughs> we would then recommend something on the other end of the table from where we were filming stuff uh, and, and we would we'd have a little spread laid out, most often something that you uh, picked, but frequently something that you picked that I had also consumed and enjoyed and could uh, sort of say a few words about. And we're like, hey, this is a cool thing that you should watch or read or listen to or, you know, check out. Yeah, yeah the, well, the, the difference is I had the huge advantage of a lifetime of accumulating junk. That's true. And I have the disadvantage <laughs> of a lot of my content being on digital distribution platforms that I would recommend. So you can't exactly... Uh, pull the pull the tripod off and then slide over to a laptop open to Kurt's Gazette, right? <laughs> That's true. Um, I, I do want to actually answer this question and maybe speak to it first. The thing is, Replay, there's not a lot of books like it. Yeah. In my mind, it's really rare to read a book like that. So it's not only a good story, mm-hmm. but it there's a really... It's not so much an uplifting message, but it's an uplifting perspective where at the end of it... Um, it you really I really felt like I was seeing the world in a whole new light. Oh yeah, without giving too much spoilers, it m- contextualizes something pretty mundane as something really sort of new and fresh and exciting. Yeah. So, so to me, alright. So the idea of book recommendation, it, it's very specific, and even though a lot of people might like the same book, mm-hmm. they may not necessarily like the same thing about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, uh, I think for for specifically awesome gamer 241 but then i think also maybe other people in the comments because as you know we like recommending things if people want to uh, talk about media that they like and why they like it we probably actually can do our best to try to form some sort of opinion on what you might like as a recommendation i think mm-hmm. that's a service that we would be willing to at least uh potentially provide or if somebody would would want to leave a comment we we could right. make no promises to quality or if we'd have the time to really go through properly and make too considerate of an opinion right uh but yeah. if somebody was willing to take the time and, and and comment that out i'm sure we could maybe try to find something but all right so because we've got this question it's going to take a while i'm going to take a stab at this one mm-hmm. because jonathan carroll does a similar that whole fresh perspective kind of thing mm-hmm. Jonathan Carroll does that in almost all his books with uh magic realism mm-hmm. and out of all of Jonathan Carroll's books my favorite is Sleeping in Flame 
which is a bit about the Rumpel says, so here's a cheater team with maxed out medals anyways. Um, so it, because Sleeping in Flame was my first and mm-hmm. nobody writes quite like Jonathan Carroll does where he mm-hmm. does some really clever things and because of the way the magic sneaks up on you, it gives me a little bit of that feeling where I think when I see something, when something happens, if I'm in the right mood, I can think, oh, I wonder if something, you know, there's something yeah. there that I just don't see. And I think there's there's another thing that you could have liked about it, which is one of the things that I still remember standing out to me, which is a really sort of interesting uh, discussion of logistics, right? I think at various points in the book, they, there's a very sort of uh, practical element to the the magical realism that's taking place right where like deciding uh how like what he's going to do uh, oh right you know what's like that the jumper. martian by andy weir Jum- i was gonna recommend the jumper series the jumper series also oh. has that same sort of feeling to me oh stephen gould yes yeah, he made that gould. into movie yeah um a not very good movie uh oh because that book was absolutely like to me that was like the epitome mm-hmm. like the best kind of uh ya young adult science fiction yeah. i've ever read yeah so uh i would say if if that was the thing that appealed to you where this really interesting thing happens and then there's a there's a sort of a lot of love and care uh di- like diverted to uh looking at how people would like work within this sort of new framework that they find themselves in i think jumper uh did that for me yeah yeah Oh, and there's another thing about replay too. It does so. So what we've talked about is having a fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that sort of logical figuring out what you need to do mm-hmm. and figuring out what you can do, like the the parameters of the situation that you yeah. find yourself in. And there's, there's it, another book that actually falls under that same category, but I'm going to leave that till later because it's under another thing that I see you have in the notes here. Okay, so um, the other part is there's certain books where you finish reading them, you are so moved that you mm-hmm. have to take a while to let it sink in mm-hmm. before you can go on to doing anything else. And I've got yeah. a few of those like that. Like, oh, yeah. Tagana by Guy Gavriel Kay. So Guy Gavriel Kay um, helped Christopher Tolkien edit The Silmarillion after J.R. Tolkien's death. Yeah. And he does these ridiculously good um, history. They're not historical fiction, fantasy, but they're history-inspired fantasy. So it doesn't take much. You strip away the veneer of the fantasy part to figure out where he's taking his inspiration from. But mm-hmm. what he does is are these amazing, intricate stories and these people that you just care about. But he does something with the plotting that it's hard to describe, but it's where different moments just come mm-hmm. together. It's not like you, they're surprises, but yeah. they they are kind of surprises that aren't really they're not cheats or anything because you you can see them if you when they happen you look back and say oh yeah i could see this coming mm-hmm. but there's these sort of transcendent moments where you know like the the you know oh my god i can't believe that yeah. happened yeah because that's um yeah there's just something about guy gabriel k's books but Tagana again it was my first one I know that yeah. Lines of Alrasan is probably technically a better book mm-hmm. but I love Tagana and I, okay. I wholeheartedly recommend that here's something interesting uh, I, I just had to I confess that I've spent the last minute or two half listening to you because I had a recommendation that I was no longer sure with uh, because of when I read it if it was problematic and I wanted to check in real quick uh, because I remember enjoying it while I was reading it Flowers for Algernon uh also gave me a very similar feeling and so i just spent the last little bit looking on a thread seeing uh how people because uh the way that it deals with intellectual uh disability uh right right so there might be an ableist because that that's an older book yeah it's the problem with older books yeah so when older books they don't they have a different sensibility and they're of their time so sometimes you know the suck fairy comes to it and you go back to it and you realize ooh. Yeah. I sort of ignored a bunch of stuff that was not great. Yeah, so I can say that I quite enjoyed it when I read it. It gave me a very similar feeling. Uh, I can say that several people here who in no way speak to uh, the the like community of the intellectually disabled as a whole, um, or those living with intellectual disability, uh, have said that it that they enjoyed the book and didn't find it problematic. And there's a quote here uh, from the 
uh, writer saying that I didn't want my readers to laugh at Charlie, maybe laugh with him, but not at him. Um, that so. is so hard though. That riding that, that edge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's interesting. Uh, but so, so not problematic. Maybe not problematic. I can't. Okay. I can't tell you with full confidence because this is a really brief skim. But I would say if just something that you need to maybe sit with for a while afterwards and something that moves you, Flowers for Algernon definitely did that to me. Although I think when I read it, I was also maybe like fourteen or something, or younger. Uh, so I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure if that. I, I think I might have been around the same age or a little bit younger when I read it myself. Mm-hmm. And the funny story behind that is. I went to a relatively crappy school as mm-hmm. far as English w- went. Yeah. And you know how English, they, they pick a lot of books, like a, a lot of older books, because that's what the teachers know yeah. to have the, the kids read. Yeah. And the older books at my school were not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I happened to be taking this uh, Saturday school. I'm not going to get into detail what I actually was supposed to go for. But mm-hmm. during the Saturday school, at the breaks, I would go to their library and hide out. Or I would uh, look around the, the classroom, and that class was getting to read um, Flowers of Algernon. That was their English book. Yeah. So I was bored, and I read it, and it stuck with me. It was a brilliant book. Yeah, it was a really good book, and as it turns out, maybe not problematic. Who knows? <laughs> Potentially problematic. <laughs> I will let people uh, figure that out for themselves. I remember enjoying it, and that's all I can say. And I think, oh. I think I've, I've sort of distanced myself enough from the actual content of the book that... <laughs> Yeah, can you hear the thunder? Can you hear the thunder? I can hear it pretty loud. Um, no. Okay. Maybe there there has been a rumbling in the background. Yeah, definitely. But you know what? I'm glad you thought of that because I think the more I think about it, that sort of captures that kind of reevaluating your life kind of thing Mm -hmm. that replay does really well. Yeah, and Flowers for Algernon um, manages to. Uh, deliver a gut punch with the title uh, very late in the novel, which is which is a really interesting yeah. uh, feat. And unlike other books where they do that that thing, because this is not a spoiler, but at the beginning, it's not really traditional grammar, English, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And a lot of books that do that make it very difficult to read. Yeah. Um, and if you if you bear with it just a little bit, it gets a lot easier. So for anybody who's thinking of reading it, Flowers of Algernon, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, so there we go. And then here's the there's a there's a sort of other category that's very similar in the just that it's more of a feeling than any specific content in it. But uh, okay, you you have in the notes here. Maybe it's a feeling of OMG. I need to share this with someone. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, there's sometimes it's just this is a. I'm gonna give you the book, and then I'm gonna try to explain what I, what I was thinking mm-hmm. of. So, uh, Last Call, for example, by Tim Powers. Mm-hmm. He does these beautiful um, alternate history things. Yeah. Well, and I mean, technically, not alternate histories. They're actually, what are they? They're more like suburban fantasy. I think like he called hidden it suburban histories. Hidden. That's right. Where he takes a known historical event or a series of events, mm-hmm. and he fits this whole other story in it that has all this crazy stuff going on. And the parts that uh, coincide with known history yeah. that were documented history, yeah. it actually fits. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. That's sort of tangentially related to the book that I read recently called Song for Achilles, which is like sort of filling in various details about uh, the story of Achilles and uh, the siege of Troy. Uh, the, the the Iliad right. is the source text for that. So, yeah, that, that kind of stuff where they do something and they make it interesting and they make it exciting. Mm-hmm. And even though you know what's going to happen to the the bigger picture of, mm-hmm. of the events in the world, like Tim Powers does that amazing. And Last Call mm-hmm. was my favorite, again, because it was my first one, mm-hmm. Last Call, um, where, you know, poker played a huge part in it. Yeah, and Last Call was a little bit dense, uh, but quite, quite good. And I think, uh, what was the Medusa's Web? Was that the... Yes, yes. Medusa's... We reviewed that. We actually got a proof of that. We got an yeah, advanced reading yeah, copy. Yeah, Medusa's Web was a quite enjoyable book, and I think a little bit easier of a read, too. So if anybody wants Tim Powers, but Last Call is a little bit intimidating, I think I would recommend Medusa's Web. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And another, I mean, a totally different thing, but see, my problem with books is I'm not a great reviewer because I feel things more. I remember more how I feel about, feel like when I read Mm -hmm. the book. And I remember having that same, Oh my God feeling when I was reading name of the wind by Pat Rothfuss. Mm. And that was the book that I was talking about earlier, uh, where it's people coming to terms with sort of like an, like a 
interesting systems. They're the systems of magic, and uh, in in Name of the Wind are quite interesting. And the way that they go through them, I think, is really sort of cool. Where they they exist in a sort of with a sort of set of internally consistent rules and limitations that make them feel a little bit more like a like a weird bonus extra science than like uh than just like otherworldly magic sort of like less harry potter and more uh i haven't read it but the martian right <laughs> yeah and seriously when you said that about thinking it through it I, I didn't make that connection i didn't notice that about replay or remember that about replay but as soon as you said it i thought that's exactly what i liked about the martian yeah um but all right so and he, this is what i mean about people can like books and like different things about them mm-hmm. there's that one moment in name of the wind where there's a bunch of different threads that you didn't necessarily oh, know, know exactly were connected the you're talking about because you've talked with me about this moment and they all reach a crescendo at an at the same point naturally yeah and uh, I, I look at that and i think oh my god mm-hmm. oh my like it, it was just that we, kind of stuff is brilliant we can mention that it's a scene in the aeolian yeah Right, and I think that's probably people either know that or won't know it, or that'll mean something to them if they choose to read it. Which these are massive books, so if you choose to read *Name of the Wind* and the sequel *Wise Man's Fear*, uh, this is a large undertaking. If it took if it took you six months for a replay, yeah. uh, for for whatever reason, just for time that you had, or or whatever other considerations, *Name of the Wind* is going to take you a while. Yeah, and the funny story behind that, I, I, I'm sure I must have mentioned this before, was because we were going, you were just young, you were little. Yeah, I was and we quite were go- small. We were going to the World Fantasy Convention, um, and I they, they have guests, but they also have a lot of uh, people attending who are in the industry, more so mm-hmm. than almost any other uh, convention like that. Yeah. And because the membership was limited there was a good chance we'd meet a lot of these people. So even though none of the sort of events or panels were listed yet, I would routinely look through the the membership list. And if I saw somebody, I would look up their books, I would read them. And then if they, if I thought they were good and something that you would be interested in, I would mm-hmm. recommend them to you. And that was, that was quite good. Cause you recommended me several uh, authors that I quite liked. Yeah, just thank goodness that the the planning for the convention was more than a year ahead that we had our memberships because that it took a lot of time. I mean, think about the lead time we would need for mm-hmm. me to read it, find the time to read it, read it, and then recommend it to you, and then you to read it. Yeah, that was that was good. And I think uh, Scott Lynch and Patrick Rothfuss were the two, and Tim Powers, I think also. Actually yes, at same time, it was Tim Powers. Were the three sort of big winners of that convention for me. Yeah, and... Scott Lynch couldn't make it because there was, I think there was a big hurricane in New York at the time. So a lot of people didn't make it that were on the list. Mm -hmm. But I think um, Pat Rothfuss, Tim Powers, that would have been enough. I mean, Tim Powers, actually, you had a conversation with him. Yeah, yeah. Tim Powers was quite, quite nice, actually. He even offered to mentor you if you had any aspirations towards writing um, fiction. Yeah, to basically get in touch with him. Yeah, that is, I don't know. yeah, it's ridiculous, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, ridiculously nice, I mean. Like, not mm-hmm. bad, but it's just... Uh... Yeah, so there we go. And I think... Oh, there's one more category here. You you have, a, you have another oh, note here. Oh, just... Yeah, sometimes book. sometimes books aren't necessarily... You recognize maybe that they're not the best book, but mm-hmm. they have something to say that hits you at the exact right moment. Mm-hmm. And if they get you at the right moment, then they, they never leave you. Yeah. And... You know, and it could be any one of those other elements too, right? But sometimes it's just because it happens to be the right book at the right time. Yeah. And to me, for me, that book was, there's a couple, but the one that's probably more famous that people would have heard about was Bridge to Terabithia by Catherine that Patterson. That's quite good. Yeah. And I ended up recommending that to you too. Yeah. And I, I ended up reading it and quite enjoying it. And I think I had to read it again for class. Oh, for school. That's funny. Yeah. Like this, we're, there were a couple books that you read before yeah like earlier that you ended up doing class and that was one of them yeah flowers for algernon was also uh my grade 11 english class uh oh, one of that's... the potential books that we could have done was flowers for algernon 
That's and hilarious. I did I did Catcher in the Rye because my uh, teacher said uh, he thought it would appeal to me, and it did not. And I, I, I don't know whether or not I should feel a little offended for him thinking <laughs> that it would. Um, See, this is me. My high school, I had to read Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. And I was, you know, it was okay. It wasn't mm-hmm. great. I would have been so much happier if I'd had to read Flowers for Algernon for school. Yeah, I should have just read Flowers for Algernon again, it turns out. Uh, but yeah, there was there was different books that I could read. Uh, Brave New World, Portrait of Dorian Gray, uh, Frankenstein, I think, was one of them. Uh, and the the teacher specifically said, oh, you know, I think you would enjoy... Um, I think you would enjoy Catcher in the Rye. And I read it, and I was like, this is bad. I didn't, not bad, exactly. But, it was uh, not for you. You know what? I think I, I think I might actually stand by not very enjoyable, I think, uh, for, for, for me to have read. Yeah, so it, de- it definitely wasn't for me. Um, you know, sort of looking at Holden Caulfield... Uh, gr- go around a place with very little money and call various uh, people phony was not uh, really a particularly enjoyable <laughs> an enjoyable read. And I was like, yeah, I get it, Holden. Everybody's phony. Uh, and you're you know, not. And he is he is not. He is authentic. And he's got, like, a jacket that he likes or something. I don't see. I, I retained very little of that that story. Yeah. Um, but, but anyways, I guess... Yeah, that, there's, there's, no, there's no real point to that. I read a book that I didn't like because the teacher told me I would like it. Um, and that is why I can't trust. There we go. That's the, that's the moral of that story. All right, so you know what? I'm going to compile a list of all of those things because there's a few that I'd, I put in uh, ahead of time and there's a few that just spontaneously uh, occurred to us, I think. So I'll, I'll put a list in the description for anybody who wants a reading list. Yeah, I love I love that people take us up on our recommendations. I think we've seen that a couple of other times. Uh, well, that's what thing- we thought the power of having a channel was, right? Yeah, yeah. The thing but- that's coming to mind is talking with iProfit now about different podcasts that we both liked uh, and doing pseudo-recommendations because I absolutely adore podcasts. And why not? Yeah. Yeah, so that that's really cool. If anybody else uh, wants recommendations for any type of media or has recommendations for us or anything like that uh send them in the comments of this video i think this is a good time to ask for that sort of stuff yeah if it's books i can't promise that i'll read them because i've got i've got a to be read pile Mm -hmm. that is literally dozens of books uh big but i will uh if it might if it's already in my pile it might just bump it up a little bit higher yeah, and just for the future, anybody watching this video, whoever takes us up on one of our recommendations and enjoys it or doesn't enjoy it, uh, letting us know is really cool. So again, a huge thank you to uh, Awesome Gamer Two Four One. I know you've been with us for a while. Obviously, if you if you saw that recommendation, but seeing you in the comments popping up every once in a while, uh, it's going to be extra uh, sort of gratifying. Yeah. Now, so there we go. Our next question comes from Jose Mercado, or sorry, this isn't a question. This is a comment. Uh, as it were, and they say, the totem came twice because a lot of competitive people was active this season, and a lot of players couldn't get it. So as much as I would like to... So this is a short answer. As much as I'd like to believe this, I mean, the implication, what's implied is that Warner Brothers is responsive in a large scale to the players, and I would love that. And I think mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a whole idea where people want to believe that kind of stuff, where th- things make sense and stuff happens for a reason. But the fact that Survivor was broken on Android for more than a year, affecting more people mm-hmm. than would play multiplayer during any one week of Tantu Totem, mm-hmm. I mean, that puts a lie to it, right? Mm-hmm. So there we go. I think that's, that's my rant. Yeah. yeah. Not, not too much to say. Uh, wanted to include that comment. You know, we get, we get comments from uh, Jose Mercado on the semi-regular. Yeah, I rec- enough to recognize the name. Yeah, which is always cool. And this next name is also a name that I recognize. <laughs> Uh, which is which is interesting. I think you know we've definitely formed a little bit more of what feels like a community, sort of yeah. as these videos has gone on, and it's really interesting to see sort of people uh, remember us and sort of refer back to stuff we've done a while ago, and also for us to like see people that we know. It's like oh yeah yeah, yeah this person's back right, and it, it right. feels like uh, there's some sort of connection beyond that of just them watching us, or at least to me that's how it feels. Right. Yeah. Agreed. There's a there's a little bit of a reciprocal nature. Oh, and, and this this person taught us how to pronounce the name. It rhymes with fries. Yeah, stries. 
Uh, and so Strize says, how do you guys go about testing glitches? How many slash which glitches do you test and how often do you test? Also, do you guys actively try to find new glitches? So I can say that with every update, yeah. for sure, we test every glitch before we do our to. recap. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then during the week, we pay attention to the forums to see what might not be working in our comments. And when we try to test everything, we prioritize the ones that are most likely to change. Uh, I think one of the things that's important to note is that any glitch that can be done while fully offline uh, can't really be patched the same way by them without an, an update right. because it's something that's inherent in the game's code and not something that is like existing because of an interaction with a server or something and theoretically right. stuff like the challenge reset or anything that uses online has some interaction with online and there's a chance that the thing that they need to do to patch it could be contained in uh so could be contained in or at least one of the sort of components necessary for the glitch to work could be separate from the actual game files on your device and could be you know somehow related to the servers but that also is you know in general pretty unlikely at this point a lot of the glitches have been around for a while and it seems unlikely that they're going to be fixed like in between challenges for example right. right and that relies a lot on our understanding of how the game works yeah yeah because for stuff like the challenge reset, I think also that largely is not actually uh, due to the interaction with the online servers, right? Well, it has to do with what the Google Play save yeah. keeps. It has to do with what the Google Play save keeps, but it also has to do with... Uh, it also has to do, I think, with just removing your device from the internet at the right times, and I think that's the actual part that makes the challenge reset and not right. an issue that you're causing to happen on Warner Brothers servers. Right. And so the more interesting question or the more complicated question is trying to find new glitches. Yeah. And it depends a lot. I mean, some of our biggest glitches were things that um, somebody shared part of it with us and then mm -hmm. we, we tested it out and we figured out which parts of it were necessary. Because usually when glitches, the, the idea of a glitch is something happens that's not expected yeah. and people try to reproduce the steps. And some of those steps are a bunch of hand waving that have no impact, and a bunch of the steps mm. are necessary. Yeah, I think I think there was one glitch that was a total BDCR original that you like pieced together based off of. Oh yeah. A previous glitch that you weren't like that you realized that there was probably another way that it would interact and figured out right. to right. do something completely original. But I think m the vast majority of our glitches have been in one way or another assisted by, or in some cases, mostly given to us by a fan. Yes. Yes. Or or somebody on the forum, and there's there's usually some community aspect. It's very rarely yeah. just us, uh, where we discover a glitch ourselves. But it helps to have the understanding because sometimes when a glitch fails, we can figure out what part of it is failing, what we need to maybe modify to make sure something that happens every once in a while happens every yeah. time. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, and and then we just exploit the heck out of it. <laughs> yeah. So, un like recently, we haven't really. You know, when when you say, are you actively trying to find new glitches? We aren't really actively trying to find new glitches as far as, like, discovering them ourselves. Well, you right? can't really. Yeah. I mean, it, the only way you could do that is at the expense of actually playing. And I don't even know what you'd go about doing. It would really be just doing, like, weird stuff. You, that would basically be, like, QA testing at that point. Yeah, and that's that's actually work and not fun. Yeah. Uh, if, if there's any background noise, it's because uh, my, one of my roommates and uh, and one of their friends and my friend also are watching the season premiere of Game of Thrones, I think, next door. So if Ooh. you hear any screaming, something really interesting has happened in Game of Thrones. Uh, I don't know if that got through on the mic, but I think something something exciting just happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm going to wait either until the season is over before I start watching it, or I'm mm. going to wait until George R. R. Martin comes out with the follow-up to Winds of Winter. Is that because this is the final season of Game of Thrones? It is the final season of Game of Thrones. It, the book series is not done yet; it's not even close. Yeah, so that's interesting. Because that was—I mean—that was to me when I first read Game of Thrones. That that blew my mind. Like that mm -hmm. was in the late '90s, mm -hmm. mid '90s. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's funny, the scale of what's popular as a book compared to what's popular as a TV show, the orders of magnitude bigger for oh, TV yeah, shows. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but so there you go. I just wanted to give you a little heads up if any of that got through on the audio. Uh, but we've, we've got another comment here that I think was uh, 
interesting, worth addressing. This one comes from Tropical Winter, and they say, just to let you know, 26 Canadian is 20 bucks American. All right, so this this comment was really funny to me. Yeah. Um, because apparently $27 or $26.99 is also $20 American. Mm-hmm. It's all... I mean, I mean, clearly what's happening to me is, clearly to me, it's that a lot of the prices are built into the game, yeah. and they just rotate them in and out, and mm-hmm. so they don't put it all in at the same into the code of the game at the same time yeah. because so, cuz 26 bucks I I when I saw this comment I checked and it was uh like 1950 American yeah so you know they're working with different exchange rates at different times at the time that they put it in the code they're just picking a number out of a hat and maybe rounding up or down yeah um so you and know I mean, it, it, it's it's also cool because this is a useful service, right? To know what the conversion is. The reason that we don't do it is just that we're lazy. <laughs> That's so we true. Just, we just sort of put the number in. I mean, uh, we, well, because we don't know. Even if we use like the currency converter, it doesn't tell us for sure. That's I mean, we can guess. Like most, the base price of for most of these things is in American dollars. Yeah. And yeah, they just so, do an exchange into Canadian and then mess around with that. Yeah, doing the currency conversion would tell us how much approximately it would be on this day in American dollars. But it would not actually tell us what the people in the American store see for their cost. Yeah. So, yeah, we could we could do a running tally uh, of, of exactly how much American that would be if you changed your Google Play Store account to Canada uh, but used your American PayPal account. But... Um, I don't know how useful that would be, just from a from a practical standpoint. Yeah, but there and I we think, go. I think that's it, and we're gonna f- play out this fight. I think this is the last fight. Yeah, I do want to say that I have taken pictures of my cheat sheet with a standard credit card uh, size thing, not an actual credit card because that would contain personal information on <laughs> for one side and a quarter for the other side. So I'm gonna I'm gonna send those along. Uh, I th- I don't have access to the BDCKR uh, Imgur account, uh, so I know that's what you do when you were posting pictures. So I think maybe I'll send that along to you, or maybe we'll just stick it in the video. That's true. Right at the end. Yeah. Oh, there right actually away. is one more fight. You want to do commentary on the fight? Uh, sh- we, yeah, we have we have a couple minutes. We could do commentary on the fight. I think we should also. And so we maybe, just finished it up because there's four ultimates. Yeah, I think we should maybe take this opportunity to also thank our patrons. Just oh, yeah. we, ha- we have a little more leeway here, but uh, you can you can become a patron of us if you want. Uh, patreoncom bdcar Although it seems like it's pretty unlikely that this is going to be the video that convinces you. And if you watch the end of our videos, you probably have already gotten this spiel enough times that if you're going to do it, you would have done it already. Um, and that that's fair. Uh, you know, no personal judgment. Everybody's in a different situation, and some people might watch our videos and not want to give us money because I know that's how I feel about a lot of content creators that I watch, um, where where I enjoy their stuff. No uh, judgment. But- but I don't enjoy their stuff quite enough to give them money every month. Um, and what makes that even more crazy is that there are actually people who watch our videos and have decided to give us money because some of the people that I would not give money to make uh, pretty objectively much better content than we do. So um, th- that's that's a huge, uh, dubious, but incredibly grateful thank you to Console Peasant and Eddie G, who are supporting us at the highest last word tier, iProfit, who is supporting us at the Your Message Here tier, and Sean Farrell and Daniel Simonson, who are supporting us on the credited level, not to mention Laszlo Trujadas and Chris Wolf on the gratitude tier. Thank you all so much. I don't I don't always understand why you do it, uh, but the fact that I don't understand why you do it just means that it's even more sort of spectacular that you guys think our stuff is that good. Yes. Uh, or that or that valuable to you. And that's that's what makes it all the more special uh, to have your support agree with you 100 percent. yeah and then there, there's also sort of the the dubious uh listening audience who manages to get through our entire video 52 minutes and 34 seconds is uh this one give or take which is an insane amount of time to spend listening to uh us i don't think we're we're <laughs> interesting enough to do that but we we really appreciate that i feel like i'm selling selling a short here a little bit maybe i don't know if this is i don't know if this is too much self-deprecation but uh the the point is that we quite appreciate uh, all of you also for listening and engaging uh, and, and you know, sending comments and following up with stuff that we recommend you uh, way in the past. These are all sort of really cool uh, interactions to have with you guys, and we super, super appreciate them. So thank you all so much for all of your support in whatever form it takes. We will see you guys next time.
Komoda. 